This is Dina Weiss for Hadar on Parashat Emor, Drinking Torah Like Milk. The holiday of Shavuot makes its debut in this week's Parsha. One of Shavuot's most distinctive customs is that we consume milk and eat other dairy foods. And though there is no explicit mention of any connection between Shavuot and milk in the Torah itself, Rabbi Shlomo Ephraim Lunchitz, the Ololot Ephraim, finds a basis for this custom in the Torah's description of Shavuot by means of a rather inventive reading. The verse says, On the day of the first fruits, when you offer a grain offering of new grain to God at your festival of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do the work of your labor. The Ololot Ephraim points out that the first three letters of the phrase Chadasha Ladonai Bishavuotechem, new grain to God at your festival of weeks, spells out the word Chalav, milk. He goes on to explain that the custom to eat dairy is also grounded in the rabbinic understanding of Shavuot as the anniversary of the giving of the Torah. He cites the rich tradition of rabbinic literature, which supports a comparison between the qualities of milk and the qualities of Torah. So why does he introduce his discussion with this curious mnemonic of chalav? And how does this exegetical choice relate substantively to the custom of eating milk? Understanding the Ololot Ephraim's teaching, both in form and content, leads us to an important lesson about what the Torah really is and what it means for us to receive it. The Ololot Ephraim explains, that the comparison to milk expresses itself in three ways, corresponding to the three letters of the word chalav, chet, lamed, bet. The first way in which Torah is similar to milk is that it always yields new meaning. As the Talmud in Erevin 54b teaches, since the taste of a woman's milk is affected by what she eats, every time a baby drinks the milk, the baby experiences a slightly different taste. So too, the Torah can always be explored for new tastes and new explanations. The second comparison to milk is also based on a different Talmudic passage. This one on Tanit 7a, which teaches that milk, like wine and oil, keeps best in inexpensive clay pottery, as opposed to in fine metals so too the Torah is best kept by the humble and unpretentious. Unlike the first two explanations, the Olot Ephraim's third characterization of milk's likeness to Torah is not based on any passage from the Talmud and appears to be his own invention. He says that the final reason why the Torah is compared to milk is that it puts people to sleep. Of all of the Torah's beneficial, inspirational, and crucial qualities, the Olot Ephraim chooses to focus on the idea that the Torah can induce sleep. Substantiating the claim that the Torah is compared to milk because milk makes you sleepy requires effort on the part of the Olot Ephraim. He therefore appeals to an interpretation of the word Shabbat 
that is completely parallel in form to his interpretation of the word chalav, milk, that he used in the context of his explanation of Shavuot. He points out that it is traditionally said that the word Shabbat can be separated into the initials of Shin Bet Taf, standing for Shena Bishabbat Ta'anug. Sleeping on Shabbat is a delight. So too on Shavuot, which is the seventh of seven complete weeks, seven Shabbatot, it can also be said Shin Bet Taf, Shena Be'atzeret Ta'anug. Sleeping on Shavuot is a delight. We now understand why he created his derivation for the custom to drink milk out of the initials chalav, chet lamid bet. He does so in order to compare it directly to the resting on Shabbat, which is also supported by its initials, shin bet taf, Shabbat. He creates an equivalency between resting on Shavuot and resting on Shabbat by employing this parallel derivation. The similarity of these readings allows him to forge a link between these two ideas, which he then uses in the absence of any explicit source which supports it. The Olot Ephraim's equation of Torah with sleepiness on Shavuot is particularly strange, given the Kabbalistically derived custom of staying up all night on Shavuot. The notion that milk is supposed to put you to sleep, and that is why we consume it on Shavuot, seems to fly in the face of the established practice to wash down one's cheesecake with enough coffee to be able to stay up and study for the entire night. More than the cheesecake puts people to bed, the coffee keeps them awake. Despite the fact that the custom to stay awake on Shavuot seems to work counter to the theory of the Olot Ephraim that Torah puts us to bed, we can better understand his theory by looking closely at the custom to remain awake all night. The Magen Avraham acknowledges the Kabbalistic roots of the practice, Tikkun Lel Shavuot, but he also weds this to an earlier Midrash. Ita Bezohar, Shechazidim Harishonim, Hayu Neorim Kol Halayla, Voskim Batorah, Uchvar Nahagu Rov Halomdim Lasokin, Veavshala Tetam Alpip Shuto, Lefish Israel Hayu Yishenim, Kol Halayla, it is stated in the Zohar that the early ascetics would be awake all night and engaged in Torah study, and the majority of learners have taken on the practice to do so. And one can give a straightforward, that is non-Kabbalistic, reason for this practice based on the fact that the people of Israel were sleeping all night and the Holy Blessed One needed to wake them, as is stated in the Midrash. Therefore, we need to fix, letakain, this. The Midrash that the Magen Avram is referring to is found in Shir Hashirim Rabbah. Rabbi Pinchas b'shem Rabbi Hoshaya Amar, Ancha melech b'misibo, Ancha melech, that is, melech machei hamlachim ha-kadosh baruchu, b'misibo, barakia, Kvar 
וישנו להם בני המדינה כל הלילה. וכשבא המלך ומצאם ישנים, האמיר עליהם בקלנין, בוקינס ושופר. והיה השר של אותה מדינה מעוררן ומוציאן לפנטה של מלך. והיה המלך מהלך לפניהם עד שהגיע לפלטין שלו. ככה הקדוש ברוך הוא הקדים, דכתיב ויהי ביום השלישי בהיות הבוקר. וכתיב כי ביום השלישי ירד אדוני לעיני כל העם. ישנו להם ישראל כל אותו הלילה. לפי ששינה של עצרת ערבה, והלילה קצרה. רבי פנחס said in the name of רבי הושעיה, while the king is in his repose. While the king, that is, the king of kings, the holy blessed one, is still in his repose, in the sky. He already arrived, as it says, it was on the third day while it was still morning. This is analogous to a king who decreed, I will be entering the province on a certain day. And the residents of that province slept all night. When the king came and found them sleeping, he appointed criers with trumpets and horns. The governor of that province would awaken them and brought them out to the king's reception, and the king would walk before them to his palace. So too the Holy Blessed One already arrived, as it says it was on the third day while it was still morning. And it also says, on the third day God descended before the eyes of the entire people. Israel slept through that entire night, because the sleep of Shavuot is pleasant and the night is short. The Midrash accounts for some of the aspects of God's revelation at Mount Sinai that the Torah records, which seems somewhat strange when examined closely. First, the Torah emphasizes God's presence on the mountain on the morning of the third day. Why do we need to know that it is the morning? Second, God's appearance is accompanied by a lot of sound and sight, kolot uvrakim. Moshe's verse says, Vayotze Moshe ta'am likrata Elohim. Moshe brought the people out to encounter God, which implies that Moshe was bringing them, instead of their walking independently and of their own accord. The Midrash therefore explains that the untold story behind these details is that only God was there on time, on the third morning, while B'nai Yisrael were still sound asleep. The Torah needed to be given with a clamorous noise in order to wake us up, and Moshe needed to be there to drag us out of bed. According to Rabbi Hoshaya, the Jews were asleep. Even though they knew that this momentous day was arriving, they didn't succeed in waking up for it. The Magen Avram says that the Jewish people had been dozing lazily in bed on the morning of the giving of the Torah. Therefore, in subsequent generations, we make an effort to stay awake and rectify the errors of our ancestors. We stay up all night in anticipation of receiving the Torah. However, the Midrash itself does not attribute the sleeping in of B'nai Yisrael to laziness at all but rather says Israel slept through that entire night because the sleep of Shavuot is pleasant and the night is short. This description is wonderfully consonant with the Ololot Ephraim's theory that what characterizes Torah is that it puts you to sleep. 
The sleep of Shavuot is sweet because it is the sleep of receiving the Torah. To receive the Torah is to be able to rest. Every adult knows that the most frustrating and regularly occurring obstacle to a good night's sleep is stress, anxiety, and worry. Worrying about family and relationships, worrying about finances, anxiety about choices that we've made or things we've said. We feel overwhelmed by the stress of all of the work we need to take care of, work which we would be better able to take care of if we could just get a good night's rest. When the Olot Ephraim says that the Torah puts you to sleep, he does not mean that the Torah is boring and that a sermon is the right time for a nap. What he means is that the Torah should release you from anxiety and should bring you peace. Often we are stressed about things that don't really matter. If we are being honest with ourselves, we know that the level of anxiety we have about things is way out of proportion to the amount that they deserve. Studying Torah should redirect our focus to what is important, thereby diverting our attention and energy from the pointless and unnecessary to the teleological and meaningful. And not only does Torah direct you to what is important and steer you away from distractions, but it is there to help you make your way through what is difficult and confounding. The Torah should guide you to do the right thing, rely on its wisdom, and it will free you from obsessing over whether or not you did make or are about to make the right decision. Though the Torah does not always provide clear and succinct instructions, studying Torah trains you in how to think about the important problems and to weigh complex issues with clarity. It also demonstrates how important it is to discuss what matters with wise mentors and sensitive, insightful peers. When Moshe felt that he couldn't provide for the people, he couldn't manage the responsibility of all of our crying, the image he used to describe his helplessness, anxiety, and stress was that he saw himself as a wet nurse without milk. Ha'anochi hariti et kola amaza, imanochi yelidatihu, ki tomar elai sa'ehu b'chekecha, ka'asher yisa ha'omenetau yonik, al ha'dama asher nishbata lavotav. Lo uchal anochi levadi l'asit et kola amaza, ki chaved mimeni. V'im kacha atoseli, hargeni naharok, imatati chen be'inecha, va'al er'eh b'ra'ati. Moshe says, did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom, as a nurse carries a sucking child to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? I am not able to carry all these people alone, for they are too heavy for me. If this is the way you are going to treat me, put me to death at once. If I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my misery." We see from this that what it would mean for Moshe to have milk would be for him to have the ability to not only provide the children of Israel with nourishment and nutrients, but also to be able to hold them, to provide them with the sense that everything is going to be fine, and to comfort them, to nurse them successfully and have them be satisfied, and to quietly fall asleep.
What Moshe doesn't know and Moshe needs to be taught is that he is, in fact, full of milk, full of the Torah that he needs to guide and support the people. As the Midrash on Shir HaShirim teaches about Moshe and Aaron, Shnei Shadaich Ele Moshe Ve'aharon Ma'ashadayim Halalu Mulayim Chalav Kach Moshe Ve'aharon Mimalim Yisrael Min HaTorah Your two breasts. These are Moshe and Aaron. Just as these breasts are full of milk, so too Moshe and Aaron fill up Israel from the Torah. We often think that it is children who don't know how to prioritize, who don't understand what is really important, and are concerned with frivolous things. But it is we who are concerned with frivolous things. The younger you are, the closer you are to milk. The more you understand its taste and its texture. When you are young, you know that you should be focused on the future, not feeling anxious about the past. When you are young, you are resilient and you tend to sleep well. You are trusting. You can understand that the Torah isn't there to make you feel inadequate, but it is there to teach you and to help you grow. Wishing you a Shabbat of nourishment and rest. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debray Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.